In the balcony of an abandoned church, a fiendish killer shoves their target through an exquisite stained glass window. Laying amidst the rainbow-colored shards, the victim palms a piece of purple glass. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Rompo Katan, Game of Laplace, Episodes 1 and 2, The Human Chair. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and after some recent detecting setbacks, I'm rehabilitating my image by solving life's small mysteries, by which I mean mysteries that are smaller than a bread box. <laughs> Sorry, Michael, you need a minute? No one knows what a bread box is. <laughs> <laughs> I know what a bread box is. <laughs> now, you can currently find Rompo Katan streaming on Funimation in the US. And as always, you can listen to the podcast before, after, or even without watching the show. But I do want to give everybody a bit of a content warning, both on the show and then our episode of the podcast that's going to be discussing it, because there are some pretty uh, unsettling parts of this plot. And if you watch the first two episodes of Rompo Katan, you will see violence against children and abusive and manipulative relationships involving teachers and students. So heads up, we'll talk about that a little because it's the solution to the mystery. But it's actually pretty bad in the episode compared to what I remembered. Anyway, I don't have an elegant segue, but I need to introduce Michael. It is I, Michael. You are joining us today, as always, Michael. You're our resident anime expert. You continue to live with me and watch a lot of anime. And today is your birthday. What? I can't believe I turned 29 again. But actually, the day we're recording is your actual real life birthday, not just a podcast fake birthday. Yes, it's not made up. It's really happening. What is the earliest anime related birthday gift you remember getting? Oh, this is a stumper. My parents weren't good with knowing the things I liked. So probably something as an adult. I can't think of anything. <laughs> Probably a video game of some kind <laughs> that happened to be tangentially anime related. I love my strategy of not running these questions by you to make sure you always have like a good, <laughs> strong, interesting answer. It <laughs> continues to pay off. Thank you for not so subtly saying how uninteresting my answer was. <laughs> well, that's not your fault. We don't all remember every moment of our lives. <laughs> Mike, what have you got for us today? Okay, well, let's talk about the Japanese Constitution, or more specifically, paragraph one of Article 14 of the Japanese Constitution, which provides that all of the people are equal under the law, and there shall be no discrimination in political, economic, or social relations because of race, creed, sex, social status, or family origin. Did you look that up in Japanese? Oh God, no! But it is from uh, it is from the Japanese government website, so it's just in English. Nice. Yeah, there's some stuff. As I know, I've been doing research for this podcast that is easy to find in English, and some stuff that is just not that nobody has bothered to translate. Thank you, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Japan. So, shall we meet our guest? Okay. All right. Let's meet our fabulous guest. Our guest this episode is an improviser and software engineer, a founding member of the improv team Daddy Issues, a beginner West Coast swing and experienced contra dancer, and one time he solved the mystery of the Phantom Crush. I've cracked the case. It's Nate May. 
Hey, it's me. <laughs> Welcome. It's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today, Nate. But first, like, what's your relationship with anime? Um, I, I'm actually trying to think about the the first time I got into anime. I think it must have been my first boyfriend. Oh, that's a classic story. I know. It's not even a good one. But he, uh, I don't think he got too much. Of it. He also got me in a Kingdom Hearts. So, like, you know, there's, a, there's at least a win there. Aha. Uh-huh. But I don't think I did much with it until probably, like, late in college. Oh, no, this is not even true. This is pre-aha. Uh-huh. I'm remembering my own life uh, right before your eyes. That's what we're here for. <laughs> I loved the public library because it was free. Actually, my parents loved the public library because it was free. And they had um, VHSs. And we would pull out lots of videos. And eventually they had DVDs. Whoa. And we pulled out anime ones because we'd, we'd look at them like this art is dope. And then we just put it in. We have no idea what it's about or why. But we really liked the covers. And it turns out we liked the movies too. Um, that's how I discovered Miyazaki and like steam boy and like other non-miyazaki films uh and then i just kind of like kept looking for animes that i might enjoy and i didn't stop for several years nice a favorite or one that jumps into mind a favorite i i so the one that this reminded me of that i have always loved and i (laughs) i horrified my brother by being like you should watch one of my favorite animes was elven lead (laughs) <laughs> i've always loved that one it's because just the right amount of like supernatural and disgusting um that it just makes me feel very nice on the inside um hmm <laughs> and, like you know when the world is trash but it like looks really nice and this one like the world is trash and it doesn't look nice right like it's one of those like nice matchups mm-hmm. i don't know if i would say that's my favorite but it's one that has a special place in my heart at least mm. i don't know that i've heard of it before does it does someone want to try to sell me on watching it or not watching it I know very little about it, but I know just enough to know. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I guess I'll sell you on it. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while. I, th- I think after watching these two episodes, I want to rewatch it. It's only like, I think, 13 episodes long, so you can kill it in a single day. Yeah. The opening song is, I want to call it a banger because that's hilarious because it's not. It's just very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll check out the opening. I love anime openings. It's like a really beautiful somber thing. Anyway, and mm. there's like this other type of being that has wild superpowers that are really just invisible arms. And um, you get to watch them kill a shit ton of people really quickly uh, and stop bullets with their invisible arms. It's just as simple as that sounds as far as like the world building piece of it. It's just like, what would the what would humans do if there was this other species of of her human looking person that could do this uh but one escapes and then you follow her around and um everything is really incredibly sad like very very sad and it doesn't get better for the whole season but it's great Hmm. (laughs) sad a do you think having invisible arms makes the problem of not knowing to do with your arm what what to do with your arms better or worse I mean, I feel like internally it's much worse, but you don't actually have to suffer any social consequences for the extra arms because no one can see them. Hmm. Oh, they're extra invisible arms. Oh, yeah. You you look like a regular person, but there are like extra arms like sticking out here. Oh, no, that's that's that is worse. I thought you could just temporarily turn your arms invisible so nobody could see like you gesticulating. You have imagined a very different superpower. now. (laughs) (laughs) I can look armless temporarily. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> mm. Where'd they go? 
Ooh, superpower. (laughs) (laughs) So turning now to the topic of mystery. Ooh. Do you ever partake in mysteries? Do you enjoy them in any form? Books, movies, podcasts, uh, a shoelace that you can't quite untie? (laughs) I mean, I like untangling knots. That's fun. But I don't think i i lean into mystery as a as a uh, genre too often my mother really loves them and she reads like mystery books like no tomorrow she'll read like a dozen in a month it's nuts i'm not even exaggerating that much there and it's funny watching like mystery style shows or movies with her because i'll be there being like oh what could happen and she's like it was him in that room over there they're gonna put a twist this way it, it's just this one's a classic <laughs> which I find amusing. I'm like, oh, you spoiled it for me. I don't care. So I, I, en- I enjoy them, but I generally don't pick them. <laughs> you're coming to us more so from the anime side of the Venn diagram, although you're not like an anime enthusiast. Wait, are you an anime? No, at one point I really was, but I think that was because my chosen form of not dealing with my depression was getting really high and watching a mega ton of anime. Mm. So I can't exactly say that I remember all the anime that i watched but i liked a lot of it so yeah it was it was a big like a pretty significant part of like several years of my life but i haven't i haven't really like sat down and watched a lot of it in a few years i guess and uh, marrying the two concepts the same way that apparently people marry condiments in restaurants at the end of the day detective anime have you never heard of marrying the condiments marrying Uh, the condiments yeah it's when you put like all the ketchup from the different bottles into one bottle so that you can throw out the empty bottles. I see. Michael, it's not a segue if you ask questions about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's what keeps the gross condiments gross forever. I pictured like a little ketchup with a little bow tie and a little mustard with a little bow tie. That was the Saturday Night Live sketch. Okay. Where the condiments got married. <laughs> I didn't see that, but I made it up on my own. <laughs> So anyway, we took the concepts of mysteries and we took the concepts of anime and married them. Detective anime. You've seen that before? (laughs) (laughs) I was actually thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask this question. And I don't think I can remember another like legit detective anime because like I don't count Death Note because you like see what's happening and then you watch someone try to solve it. Like that's different, right? If Mm -hmm. this one, we're on the side of like, we don't know what happened. And then we discover it at the end. And I don't think I've watched, not that I can remember uh, an anime that, that had this pattern. Really? You watched a hundred episodes, but you just don't remember. (laughs) It's entirely possible. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this was uh, not what I would recommend to anybody in general for their first one but i mean it sparked a passion in you to return to elven lead so clearly you were a good person to invite as we move into talking about this anime there's a couple things to hit mike what do you think we need to know oh boy i don't know if i've mentally prepared myself uh i have um i have a wikipedia page open to help out too okay well rompo katan game of laplace uh are the various exploits of 13 year old kobayashi who Uh, discovers that detective work is the only kind of fun they've ever experienced and they love solving murders. And so they become the assistant of Akechi, who is a special juvenile detective working for the government with special... Treat, I don't know, special treatment. It's real weird. It's unconstitutional. (laughs) It's unconstitutional. (laughs) And they solve lots of weird, creepy murders. You mind if I get a prop? Okay, is it? it's not a human chair, is it? 
Um, so this is not the first anime we've watched that has had a connection to classic Japanese detective novels. So I actually got, have a copy of The Fiend with 20 Faces, which is the first boy detectives novel by Edogawa Rampo, which is where the Rampo in the title comes from. And actually, at the beginning of the anime, they're like, this is the 50th anniversary of Rampo's death, and it's an ode to him. Hmm. He was very much like a Edgar Allan Poe type, writing the kind of uh, stories that Nate probably enjoys that were grotesque and and gruesome and stuff. <laughs> Although this series is much more like a, a children's mystery series. The detective in it is Akechi Kogoro, like in Rampo Kantan, the detective Akechi, who has a child assistant named Kobayashi Yoshio, like the main character of Rampo Kantan. So mm. they are riffing off of those characters directly from Rampo's books. And then The Human Chair, which is this first story, was a short story of his, which actually does exist in English, though I haven't read it. But hopefully we'll have time to read the Wikipedia summary of the plot, because boy, do I wish they had stuck closer to the plot of the original story. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think that will be delightful. And it's on Wikipedia, so it's free for us to use on our podcast. So maybe we'll have story time. But first, let's talk about Rampokatan. So there's a very, very short moment that happens before we get to the opening song. Mm -hmm. Setting up Kobayashi with some imagery a butterfly washing through, wavering through some gentle piano music. And I pulled out a quote. This world we live in is a dream. The dream we have at night is, in fact, the true world. Oh, that flashed up on the screen and made me think maybe it was a Rampo quote or something. Mm -hmm. It's uncredited, but yeah, that was the impression I got. Maybe it's so well known they don't have to credit it. And as I've mentioned before on the podcast, the butterfly is intended to invoke the idea of a uh, Shinigami. The, the idea of a death god following this character around. And any thoughts on Kobayashi's appearance? He wears a school uniform. What the anime wants me to say is counterintuitive to my feelings about general normativi- gender normativity. But what they would like me to say is he's a boy that looks like a girl. Yeah. Which actually <laughs> is a callback to Rampo, believe it or not, because Akechi Kogoro is a master of disguise and Kobayashi trains in that. And often disguises himself as a young girl, apparently, in the original stories. Mm-hmm. Which it's like, but yeah, it's, it's an ongoing theme that people mistake him for a girl, for whatever it's worth. And instead of wearing a tie with his uniform, he has like a fluffy ascot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also like the very first thing you see is like a, just this very quick flash of a skull in the dark yes. with a scar on it. I'm like, how does a skull get a scar? But anyway, I'm sure it'll make sense <laughs> later. <laughs> I mean, I guess if it happened during life, it would be pretty brutal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's a skeleton. Like, if you're a living skeleton, can you get a scar? I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I mean, they put Pirates of the Caribbean in um, Kingdom Hearts, so you never know. It could, it could pop up anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so you can meet Scar because you could go to the Lion King. That's also true. There's so many ways we could do this. You could smoke a cigar, probably not if you're a skeleton. Okay, so the opening song... That just kind of sounded like Scar, that wasn't a... Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The theme for today is elegant wordplay. All right, so let's start talking about the opening song. Who has thoughts about the music, the lyrics, the images that pop up here? I'll call it underwhelming, but Mm. I I have opinions about anime songs. So I'm one of those people with most 
TV shows. I never skip the opening because I feel like they put a ton of work into it and you always notice something new. And I like to see, sometimes they like change little bits at different episodes on purpose. And so I, I actually pay a lot of attention to these. I like them. And I feel like the song that they pick ends up like picking up the mood of the show for me. So if I end up really liking the show, even if the song they picked is kind of like, eh, I end up loving the song at the end because it like brings back all the memories of the show that I really loved. Mm-hmm. So if I continue watching the show, I will just watch that all the time. And I bet I would really like this song. But I think for the first episode, I was like, I'm not going to like have a pants off dance off to this. No, you're completely right. I mean, the song is dreary and the, everything about it is very depressing. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. I do have a question, like a, a searing question for the, about this opening. Um, who are these crosswalk people? Do they know they're being filmed? <laughs> uh, did they did they come to an audition? Were they just there that day? Like, what? I want to know the, their story. I mean, I thought some of the people that were in it were just like zany, creepy looking figures, and then one of them shows up in the show, and I was like, oh my god, these are characters! I'm so excited. <laughs> right, they're flashing the different characters, and then like flashing to them in weird. Like gas mask outfits, or oh, are you perhaps talking, Nate, about the zany character uh, from the Three Minute Shocking? <laughs> three Minute Shocking Medical Examiner. Yes, my favorite <laughs> character in the whole goddamn show. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> what about the type of music? I don't. It's not. I'm not really successfully summoning it from my brain right now. Like I'm. I'm I can remember the, the ending a little bit, but I don't remember I've now heard it like six times, so I'm yeah, happy. I've heard I've heard it like four times. I guess I thought it was pretty forgettable. It's like rock. It's kind of I don't know. I don't I I don't know music terms. I would say it's harder, but not metal in some ways. I wrote down some of the lyrics, which are like some of the world's most depressing song lyrics. <laughs> I list, I read every word the first time through, and then the second time I was like, I'm just gonna listen to this and watch the visuals. But that's exactly what I did. It 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 really felt like really depressing slam poetry (laughs) yeah there's a smell of rubber and moisture in the air a ticket to nowhere and an evening view of the end of this life summer yards littered with dog bones heaps of corpses with dates on them and you tread on them to reach tomorrow sing notes of bronchitis until you vomit blood why do i keep setting out only to get close and leave again it fits the show it makes me sad (laughs) Which sounds like a success, right? Like, they weren't trying to make you want to go to a club tonight. They wanted right. you to, like, be afraid and, and sleep poorly, so... Well, we'll get to this in a second, but, like, both of the people that are the primary mystery solvers in this show are driven by, like, morbid fascinations and not by having any kind of compunctions to help people or solve things mm-hmm. or, you know, yep. anything like that. What's this like red flower that appears a couple of times? Is that a chrysanthemum? That would be the spider lily. It's a spider lily. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said anything. I should have. I could have sounded smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the spider lily uh, in the language of flowers is the final goodbye. Oh, dear. Uh, in old Buddhist writings, the spider lily is said to guide the dead through samsara or the cycle of rebirth. Makes sense. It brings us well into the first scene because... Um, in this first scene, the main character, Kobayashi, who we described, wakes up on the floor of their classroom with a bone saw in their hand. A bloody bone saw. Their teacher is mutilated on the ground in front of them, and they're like, not quite hallucinating, but they're seeing the scene with all these spider lilies around right. it. They, they picture the blood as spider lilies, basically. Mm. Anybody else want to say anything about the positioning of the body of the teacher? It is a chair. 
kind of <laughs> yeah i didn't really think of it as a chair till i like you know pointed that out in the show but it was <laughs> not gonna lie it was like kind of artfully done right it wasn't it was like very intentional which was the point right like murder is like yo i'm gonna take the time to set this body up in a really wild way but it's not like i hacked you up and hucked you at the wall and left right it's like you're gonna be in this very specific dismembered pose um it's symmetrical but inhuman because they've taken off the arms and put them in the wrong place sort of thing yeah it's kind of um it's i think it falls pretty clearly in the uncanny valley in a way that i can really appreciate the simple description would be uh the head is chopped off uh the arms have been removed the legs have been the feet have been tied together so it's just sitting not cross-legged on the ground but like butterfly butterfly style and then the legs are like jammed in inside the legs or the arms are jammed inside the legs so they're like arm the arms of a chair yeah and later on they say this takes a lot of effort and time and like someone who knows what they're doing it would take a while into the room the police come in and this is the first time we see something that's used throughout which is this shadow animation technique yeah that poor cop had like a physical appearance before he wandered into the perspective of the protagonist and (laughs) and became unimportant Right. So at at the beginning, most of the other characters appear only in shadow or as silhouettes. And as they're kind of introduced, they take full form and are fully animated. Well, there's a little there's a slightly more subtle subtlety to it. So before we're experiencing the perspective of the protagonist, all the cops in the room, you can see them. They have a physical form and everything. And then we get to a, a shot where the protagonist is in it. And suddenly they're all silhouettes because what they're using, they're like using this to be like, the protagonist doesn't care about people, and it's only when that person becomes important to the protagonist that, that they appear. Yeah, there's one moment in particular where this really stood out to me, which was also pretty shocking on a second viewing. Nate, what did you make of the shadowy people throughout? I, I really like the concept. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, this person doesn't like doesn't care about strangers, right? I know people in real life who are just like strangers are just like wastes of energy on the planet and i don't want to talk to them and i see strangers as like potential friends right so it's interesting that it's very clear like oh you don't give a shit about anyone except the people that are highlighted right and and but at the same time i was like "Mm, is this just cheap animation and i I think (laughs) the moment i thought that they literally answered me and i don't know if you got this uh from from this scene but when the class president friend what's his name hashiba Actually, but when he like grabs Kobayashi's hand and like drags him down the hallway, they use like a very complex depth of field thing that was like definitely like harder to animate. And I was like, oh, they're not trying. They're trying to tell me they're not being cheap. This is intentional. I was like, I will sit down <laughs> and just like accept it. And then they never did that complex animation again. They just did like a regular anime. There are, there are a bunch of interesting things they do, which often simplify scenes, but where like instead of the scene happening in the physical space, it inhabits a metaphorical space. Ooh, we're going to sound really smart today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And in terms of whether or not it's like a a cheap uh, effect or not, uh, so they're not silhouettes in the way that it's like a blurry outline. Like it's fully the outline of the character that's just been silhouetted in color. So if you think about it, like it's not easier to draw something just the outside because it would probably be wonky looking and bad if you're not drawing all the shapes that are involved in their comp, like the complex of their hair and their arms. So they probably drew full outlines for these characters. And then instead of coloring them in, colored over them. 
digitally. Yeah, but you you don't have to do the like inking and coloring steps. So yeah, yeah I think lighting is the thing that takes the most time. I've I've been like trying to draw on my own, and it's not it's not great. It's like acceptable <laughs> at best, and that every time you get lighting wrong, it is just so glaringly obvious, and it's not trivial to fix. <laughs> <laughs> So Kobayashi was found in the classroom. The police have arrived. They don't know what the deal is, why Kobayashi is there. The first person to enter is one of the police officers, the detective superintendent Kagami. They all seem to really focus on their eyes when they introduce them, and they all have kind of bright, distinctive eye colors. So Kagami has blue eyes and this like scruffy brown hair. He is the supervisor, the superintendent of police, though he's only 26. So successful. (laughs) (laughs) any other takes on kagami's characteristics straightforward and boring but also when he enters like he completely successfully ignores the body and is just like hello i am here and like does the very formal greeting and is like does the back and forth and then looks at the body and is like aha i see it and like was like unfazed (laughs) by this like very should phase you thing there's a lot of people being unfazed by things that should phase them yeah and i feel like (laughs) a couple times hashiba is often the character who's like, sometimes is like, why aren't people reacting the way they should react to these things? <laughs> but he's a close friend of Kobayashi. He's the student council president, 14. We find out that he is the heir to the Hashiba Foundation conglomerate. So mm-hmm. he has some money and, I don't know, entitlement. Glasses, green eyes. The Very much so the anime archetype of the student rep character. Student rep, but also the loyal friend who's like here and defending Kobayashi is going to do things to help Kobayashi. This is just a scene with a series of characters being introduced. And I think part of that is to justify this shadow thing they're doing because if Mm -hmm. they don't like take the time for the characters to introduce themselves and become interesting and fade out of shadows, it doesn't make sense. Although when (laughs) Hashiba comes in, he doesn't have that moment. He's never a shadow because they, I guess, already know each other. Yeah. Next police detective, Nakamura creepy he's got a really bad like just beard hair uh beard hair is coming out of his face but not a beard that's like what happens when i don't shave (laughs) (laughs) he is 38 years old so he's older than kagami but he seems to report to kagami Mm -hmm. and lastly we have the secondary main character of the show at first people are like why is this student coming into the room and the police actually invited him and he just takes, first of all, he takes out a painkiller and downs it. And then he drinks a can of coffee. He chews on like a few aspirin. <laughs> and then he has pink purple eyes when we finally see his face. This is a catchy. Now, instead of being a full-blown adult like in the original Rompo stories, he is a 17-year-old here. For reasons. You can't just be good at something. You have to be young and good at something in anime. You have to be good at something before it's logical that you would be good at it or it's not impressive. Everyone has to be very, very impressive. And you should feel bad that you are not one of them yet. (laughs) Well, he's super, super smart. But also, like, then they have to justify why the 17-year-old is allowed to run around and solve crimes. Mm -hmm. Just make him 25. (laughs) (laughs) But I think think also, like, you know, it's later in in the show, but when they justify, like, oh, I have special privileges. Yeah. The government gives me special privileges. It's really interesting. I just spent some time with my more right-wing family. Uh, where they're like, the government is trying to kill you. Uh, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, and here they're just like, 
I'm going to prove to you strangers that I'm a special person because the government loves me. And it's just, it's just very 180 <laughs> in a way that I kind of enjoy, but also is creepy in its own way. But also <laughs> I feel like enjoying cop shows is a thing about right wing people. But anyway, let's not go down that They road. hate the government, but they love people who have been given power by the government. Other things we learn about Akachi, he doesn't like cell phones, but he has a computer because a house is going to play SimCity. How else can you play SimCity? It is it is great. He like he does very clearly have like some sort of moral direction and just like throws it out the window for SimCity. <laughs> and I, I I liked that brief characterization that he just loves video games so much. He's willing to throw like all digital privacy out the window for it. <laughs> so no one can be a detective of any kind in the digital age without having access to a computer. Mm. Like there's too much there. What are you going to do? Go to the library and look everything up the slow way? The the <laughs> libraries are better now. They've updated them too. Well, they do have computers there. Yeah, and they're even better than they used to be. They're like nice computers now. Yeah. Akechi is a student at Kabukicho High School, but he doesn't have to go there because of his arrangement. Apparently, he's not the first person. They, they make a whole big deal about this, but I don't know if it matters or is just the setup for to explain this character. Who knows? I do enjoy that instead of just having him exempt from high school, he has to be enrolled in a high school but not go so he can wear a school uniform in, in this anime. I was wondering if he was in a school uniform, <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like he has perfect grades. Like he, I don't think they're like fubbing his grades. They're like, he's taking tests and stuff is what I'm assuming. Like he's not just like getting free grades. I don't know how grading even works in in high school. Like I know there are grades. I don't know if they're like they're a requirement to graduate the way mm-hmm. that we have them or if it's just a metric because what you're really prepping for in high school is your college uh, entrance exams. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Well, I mean, I think they mentioned it like you have perfect grades, but you haven't been one day. Right, before, right, right. So like he had a grade mm-hmm. of some sort. I mm-hmm. guess there's no participation or attendance scores. Or that's just like government filled in. Yeah, the government was like, 100, you're good at spelling. <laughs> <laughs> We've, we read his reports, he's great at it. <laughs> <laughs> so once Kobayashi gets to the police station, he's very matter of fact. He's like, of course I'm a suspect. You found me with a murder weapon in front of this body. And because he's 13, they say they're going to release him. But actually we learn this is what Akechi wanted them to do. And so Kobayashi gets to go right back to school. Wowza. Makes sense. That was my first moment of like suspension of disbelief. Cause like, <laughs> it wasn't just like, I can just take, except that this main character is super weird and we're supposed to be interested in this weirdo. But the rest of the class is like, oh, didn't you murder someone? I'm going <laughs> to the next to Susie again. We have shit to talk about. Right? Like, no, your teacher was <laughs> murdered and you know it. Like, the, it was very uh, super unrealistic. Like, I think they painted a world where no one gives a shit about murder, where I think they were intended to give it, like, paint a character that didn't uh, care about murder in the way that you should. And where are Kobayashi's parents? I don't think they've even been mentioned, right? They were mentioned once. Uh... Because when uh, Hashiba was dragging Kobayashi out of the police station the first time, he was like, we got to get you back to your parents. And I was like, where are they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. And Hashiba is like going to defend him about, you know, anybody who asks and all of that sort of stuff. And the teacher is going to be a shadow for um, Kobayashi for a while. But the new teacher comes in. Her name is Miss Hanabishi. She, you can tell even in the silhouette that she wears cat ears. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
She's a very tiresome cosplay teacher for some reason. Cause anime. Tiresome cosplay teacher is is spot on. <laughs> Although I do love her for one moment, which we'll talk about later. I won't spoil it for the future. <laughs> so Kobayashi, this is the first time he he kind of abstracts into a dreamscape. So even though he's sitting in the classroom, he's like in a version of the crime scene where he's just walking around and looking at himself kind of crouched in the crime scene and walking through it and decides that the killer was trying to make a statement by arranging the body to say that the teacher deserved to be killed. And he realizes that he must have been drugged and put to sleep so that this could happen while he was knocked out. And that the real killer must have known Kobayashi or the teacher in order to set this all up. So that's the first kind of set of deductions. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind, I guess, if you want to try to solve this. <laughs> I also wrote down a quote from the teacher as she's the new teacher as she's introducing herself. She says, I don't have any friends, so be sure to send me friend requests. <laughs> that was like in the background too. It was like that wasn't even the main speech. I noticed that too. <laughs> like yeah. send me friend. It wasn't even just like come talk to me. It was like, please hide in your digital castle and click a button for me so I can feel loved. <laughs> Boundaries lady. Right. <laughs> oh, after class is when she gets uh, noticed by Kobayashi because she comes up to talk to him and he notices that she has scars on her wrist from presumably from cutting or self-harm, which I also should have warned people about, but we won't talk about it much. But it's like when he notices that about her that she comes into focus for him. Mm -hmm. Starting with her hands, yeah. And she has somehow like a pink version of the teacher's uniform but it also has a lot of straps on it <laughs> i don't think it's a teacher's uniform teachers don't typically have uniforms but it did it was uh, it was basically a cosplay dress with a uh some vague hint of a schoolgirl aesthetic teachers can't dress like schoolgirls that's not <laughs> <laughs> this is madness who's gonna know who's who Next, the students are going to come in dressed like teachers? I mean, we had in my high school a set of four teachers that all came out of college. They were like literally 21 years old. And we called them the plastics because the four of them were like Barbie dolls that they just, they dressed like they were 16. And they, I don't know, it, I TA'd for one of them because I wanted a different lunchroom so I could be with the boy I liked. And it was it was terrible. But yeah, the, the teachers do this kind of shit in the US too. It's <laughs> they weren't like that bananas, but they were definitely like looking like sixteen year olds. And they got a lot yeah. of weirdo boys hitting on them in a way that was super inappropriate, which is not their yeah. fault. It's just high school boys are terrible. Well, we'll give Miss Anabishi the benefit of the doubt because she is very nervous about being a homeroom teacher for the first time. And she says that a couple times. <laughs> um, there's a student in the background that Kobayashi doesn't zoom in on, but she comes over and she's like chatting with them and says something about how hard it is to come to a class where this sort of thing has happened. And the teacher was turned into a shape like that, all that sort of stuff. Then after school, Kobayashi and Hashiba go somewhere together. Somewhere in the city, there's a rooftop filled with prostitutes, it looks like. Yeah, it's like... The rooftop of some shady apartment building, yeah. I love how there's another building on top of this building with like a weird spiral staircase to enter. But also, it's like 3 p.m. These prostitutes are like full prostitute gear, clothing, attitude, cigarettes, like ready to like work. But it's daylight. They just got out of school. Like, why is this? That? This is just, it's just not relatable. Like, come on. <laughs> it's like the, it's, it's the top of an apartment building. It's not like 
they're down like at street level. So it's like maybe this is just where they hang out. Yeah, but I feel like they'd hang out in sweats and not like <laughs> they're like hooker gear, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's always 1 a.m. somewhere. Um, and when they knock on the door, Akechi opens the door. Mm-hmm. And here they have this very brief exchange. Akechi says, I didn't want you to come. And Kobayashi says, but I did. Mm-hmm. Commercial break. Yeah, that's how they subtitled it. I feel it was more like, like for, just because it was such a short exchange, it's like simpler language. I feel like it was more like, uh, I didn't call you here. And he was like, I've arrived. So it wasn't quite I like, I didn't want you here, the way they subtitled it. And after the ad break, there's a whole lot of scene. Actually, the whole less, rest of the episode is kind of in Akechi's office with him. They explain Kobayashi saw the phone number and did some research and figured out that this was where the building was, and that's how they came in. His office is kind of interesting. Presumably, there's some leftover decor from the previous tenants, which he has mixed feelings about. There's lots of weird patterned carpets and stuff. The only drink he has to offer anybody is the canned coffee. Not a problem for Michael, I guess. If you wanted to drink something else, you should have brought it yourself. And Kobayashi <laughs> just pulls something like right out of his purse. Is like, yep, that's I got. I brought one. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> what made what i found weird about that was he takes it out he drinks from it for a second and then puts it back and like they even bother to animate and have sound effects of him going to a lot of effort to close the bag up again just like just hold on to your drink it's easier to animate but it almost <laughs> felt like it was like yeah i got you i'm just as weird as you are slurp bye like it was it <laughs> almost felt like a, like a response he was like you like black canned coffee i like mango juice it's all i drink i'm cool too <laughs> Exactly. Well, there's this whole moment now where Hashiba reveals all this stuff that he learned about Akachi, which we already revealed. And then Akachi reveals stuff that he found about Hashiba by them looking each other up. And meanwhile, Kobayashi is like on a bar stool over in the corner, like being antsy and kicking his legs back and forth and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of thought into the staging of some of these scenes. Kobayashi just comes right out with it and wants to be Akechi's assistant to help him solve crimes, but Akechi is like, no way. Why does Kobayashi want to be his assistant? Because it's the first time anything's ever seemed fun. He's never felt alive before. Until he became a murder suspect in a really gruesome murder. You should try it sometime. It's probably pretty exhilarating. I feel like most 13-year-olds will dramatically say, nothing has ever seemed fun before. But like, (laughs) come on. You play video games. Shut up. <laughs> Kobayashi goes and eventually says there's no point in living. Yeah, there's no point in they can't investigate murders? Question mark. Akechi has some sort of flashback to some other person he knew that said there's no point in living. So that might be something that gets revealed later. And he says no matter how much medicine I take. So bleak. The pain doesn't go away. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's because your only fluid intake is caffeine. And you just can't <laughs> have a constant headache. <laughs> the flip side to all this is that like maybe this 13 year old has like beat us at the game of life and has figured out his purpose in life right like a lot of us are just like floating through with the world being like why do i wake up in the morning and this 13 year old is like to solve murders obviously and we should all be jealous you don't need a purpose when you're 13 <laughs> until you like turn 18 or whatever for many of us uh, i guess it, de- it depends not not a, not the case for everybody but you're lucky in that you just go to school and then I don't know, play WoW. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I didn't feel like I was lacking a purpose in life until later, but like, what if you just already had one? You like went through life and you're like, dude, I already know. I like murders. <laughs> <laughs> I, I meant to solve them. 
Well, he didn't know until this moment. Exactly. What a lucky person to figure it out at 13. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. So we get more stylized conversations talking about the murder here with like Akashi and Kobayashi almost dueling with each other. Oh, yeah. The weird jukebox photo slideshow time. Yeah. The, there's the projections on the wall of the murder, of the people's faces as they're talking. There's like a culprit dummy, which we also see in a later one in the next episode. So there's a very stylized way that they're doing these things. And I actually kind of like the way they play the murders back out without just doing a straight up flashback. I think that's a neat choice. (laughs) So Akechi thinks the killer is going to seek attention because the police have hidden this case from the media. And that's why he also sent Kobayashi back to school and all of that stuff. Just a fun little uh, translation note. Uh, whenever they're talking about the killer wanting to be noticed, they use the English word appeal or apid oh. uh, in Japanese. So hmm. it's their appeal. It's what they're, they're seeking attention. I see. But the police show up to arrest Kobayashi because the teacher was not just killed in this brutal way, but was also a murderer. <laughs> And tons of weapons with Kobayashi's prints were discovered in the teacher's parents' house. Um, We see our first glimpse of pictures of these human chairs. And uh, I'm rushing because this is all going to be spelled out in the next episode, and we'll talk about it more. And there's this quote about the teacher. He was a mass murderer who was also into DIY work at home. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird way to word it. I don't know who's at fault there if he's saying it in a weird way or if the subtitle was like this is what i think it says i don't know but you love to see it <laughs> i don't know i feel like maybe i've watched enough anime to just like ignore that kind of thing i'm like i get what i like it doesn't even phase me i was just like yeah he murders people and diys their body like yeah sure yeah. I, I'm, I got you we're good <laughs> yeah but it's like he separated those they were they're clearly right. a linked detail the, yeah we the... pointed out it's like obviously ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> yeah this guy also makes flower beds out of pellets and like <laughs> right it's not people <laughs> he has a line of baby bonnets on etsy no you can't say that in this episode you can't say baby bonnet he can't you can't do that i can't because then the baby the bonnets are made out of babies <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last thing in this episode a says the harder the game is to solve the more fun you can have mm-hmm. episode ends episode two starts we'll talk about the ending song all the way at the end I will say the end of this episode, I really, I think I wrote it down. I was like, I appreciated that they showed the human chairs. Like they named the episode a thing. They like made a promise to the audience (laughs) and then they fulfilled it. By the end, you were like, I got to see humans as chairs. Ha ha. And it wasn't like, now I'm disappointed. It was like, now I need to know more. Right. It's like, great. We saw the human chairs. Please continue. Mm -hmm. Well, wait until you hear what the human chairs in the story the human chair were should we have a story time is that what we should do between episodes no that doesn't make any sense for the flow of the podcast <laughs> does not make any sense <laughs> it's completely wrong i do want story time do you, you do you tell me when well i think once we finish so yeah i mean i think it's a pretty compelling uh cliffhanger and then the second episode picks up literally where it's left off mm-hmm. let's talk about the human chairs now because i don't know why i didn't do that before. I feel a little bit uncomfortable describing them in too much detail, but basically, largely probably female human bodies chopped up into chairs in a very clean, non-bloody way, which I think is as much the show wanting the chairs to look interesting and good and nice and 
also not making them so just horribly realistic and gruesome. Well, the idea that they're trying to convey is this isn't like a grotesque concoction to the person who made them. They're He thinks they're beautiful, so he's put a lot of effort into making them beautiful. Well, but they're just clean. They're not bloody. They're intentionally going like left of the Uncanny Valley. They're like, right. this is not so human that you're like it's just it's it's just like no this is inhuman enough that it has human shape and form in a way that we do in art like you right. could see someone making some of these exact same pieces of furniture out of plaster and it's still not being creepy right but the fact that you like know from context that it's actual human flesh is the creepy part even though the visuals are, are quite beautiful in some cases although fortunately all the nipples were too shiny for us to see we couldn't see any of the nipples <laughs> Yeah, it depends what kind of materials you use. I see it could almost look like that kind of classic Greek sculpture sort of thing. Yeah. Or it could look really realistic like a mannequin and and be creepy. Yeah, you could make it look, but you'd, you'd have to like do more to the shape to make yeah. it fall into the Uncanny Valley. But you, you wouldn't Perhaps. otherwise, yeah. Someday you'll have to take us on a road trip all around the uncanny valley because you seem to have a good reference point of, of where things are <laughs> geographically in relationship to it i think i just overuse it as an anchor point <laughs> no, that's fine that's, <laughs> that's a great way to talk about creepy things it's good and you know if you ever go on a train to meet santa claus you, you'll be prepared what <laughs> <laughs> it's a very specific uncanny valley reference i see not no one po- the polar express oh that was very yeah early cg uncanny like valley yeah. one of the things in the dictionary when you look up uncanny valley is it always talks about the polar express mm, i don't think i know this but now i do so picking up right where we left off with episode one kobayashi is about to be hauled away with the police and they just totally let him go over and whisper something in hashiba's ear mm-hmm. and like he's like hashiba please try that for me <laughs> i like this news report moment where the this see that the crime is finally out there in the world they interview a bunch of random people about it. A psychiatrist says that, why did a 13-year-old do this crime? Oh, game brain. Right. It's the two idiot idiot echoes that you hear in every story about a child doing something bad. On one side, the video games did it. On the other side, children are our treasures, and we need to take better care of them because this is not their fault. She was my favorite because I like I was just like <laughs> kind of loosely watching. I didn't even write a note down because it was so fast. But like she has a PhD in something, and she was just, like <laughs> her tits are just huge. And just like I'm thinking of children, right? But I'm like, why did you bother to give her a PhD in this show if she's just gonna say like a mom thing? Like what? <laughs> That's anime for you. Is that our catchphrase? It was very much intentionally lampooning news reports, not yeah. like trying to be like, this is how we think the world is. I think it was just unrealistic for like an expert in social science to be like, think of the children, right? Like, it just, <laughs> like wait a second, what? <laughs> but think of the children. <laughs> uh, we have a brief scene at school where Hashiba goes. Where you will note that every person in the classroom has a physical appearance and right. colors and lines They're fully animated yeah <laughs> nobody has silhouettes because there's no kobayashi to be from his perspectives everybody kind of knows what's going on but hashiba is like no kobayashi is just sick it's just a coincidence come on you're not they're not anyone. they're not child a and the uh the teacher finds a flip phone in the desk and Hashiba is like, oh, I, that's the dead teacher's phone that the police couldn't find. Evil eye pulse. The camera zooms in on someone's brown eye. Wonder if that'll matter. <laughs> All right, Nate, we're almost at something you're very excited to talk about because we get to the interrogation scene, which has a lot of weird twists and turns here. <laughs> First of all, 
Kobayashi talks him into showing him the pictures of the human chairs. They're like, you're a child. We can't show this to you. And he's like, oh, I've seen it already. And they're just like, whatever. But also the hiding is my hand is roughly over the, <laughs> the one image on the paper. It's like he put it in front of him to interrogate him, but then covered it and was like, you're a child. I can't show right, this like to you. Just, if you're going to show him photos, then just don't use the, a sheet where they're all on one thing. If you don't want to show them, just get separate things. I mean, like, you, can't, you can't do that to a kid. When my parents skipped the sex scenes, I woke up in the middle of the night, went downstairs and watched the things they told me not to because I was like, what are the things my parents think I can't handle? So I watched them all. It's like, you can't tell a kid I, you're not showing you this because you're too little. We're going to watch it. We're going to look at it. <laughs> that was the super useful thing about te- movies aired on TV is they always edited that stuff out. And I at least twice went to a friend's house and got a movie that I had seen on TV. And then suddenly there were sex scenes and stuff. And I was like, but I saw this movie. Yeah. It was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I actually specifically remember we had, I watched the movie Problem Child a lot when I was very young. <laughs> we had a recorded from TV VHS, which was just like the TV version that we recorded when it came on TV. Mm. Uh, but then at one point I saw like the actual VHS version and there's a part in the movie where like the problem child records his babysitter having sex with her boyfriend and then plays it over projector to the neighborhood. The scene isn't deleted, but most of what the scene is about is never shown. So as a kid, I was like, I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if only someone had come and edited this show before we watched it. (laughs) There'd be three minutes, three minutes of show. (laughs) But anyway, the other thing that happens in the interrogation is Akechi uses his privilege and just walks right into the interrogation room with a can of coffee. Very distinctive thing about him. Akechi is like, oh, you can totally tell this murder suspect the autopsy. I authorize it using my special privileges, which apparently overrules the police. <laughs> yep. And so the medical the uh, medical examiner is going to come in and give this autopsy report. Her name is Minami. Who, who can describe what happens here? <laughs> well, I really love this scene, so I'll, I'll do it. I, <laughs> she, she's just like the most excited zany character. And like basically every show that I watch has like one of these women who's just like very excited about something either like uninteresting or grotesque and in this case it's kind of both <laughs> and she brings in this giant like stuffed animal that's totally like moving and talking and kind of alive <laughs> yeah it's uh shitai kun or they translate it as corpsey but it's like corpse kun uh, and fun fact, uh voice acted by the same uh voice actor that is the voice of Kuma or Teddy in Persona 4. Neat. Now we know. Yeah, um, she has a face mask. It's not a COVID situation, but I guess because she's dissecting bodies, she wears a surgical mask. I actually don't think it's like useful. I think it's just aesthetic (laughs) because it opens. Like it's one of the ones that because it has teeth on the top and the bottom that mesh perfectly. And when Mm. she talks, it totally just opens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's just this like weird, like almost like punk metal grotesque but like just like wild massive sharp teeth mask that she wears and it's like moving while she talks she definitely stands out in the opening and then you see her here that was what was like you're the you're the wild thing from the opening i thought that was just supposed to creep me out but you're a character i love you please let's be besties (laughs) and she's like so excited to tell you about like how this person was murdered. She's like, well, you can tell from the marks on their neck that they were choked to death and like, you know, choking on the corpse. And corpse is like, ah, <laughs> it was like extremely uh, entertaining and high energy 
um, and like literally dismembers Corpsey and like rearranges him in the right right position. And I uh, was like very excited about it. Like, wow, this is like the most thrilling my job has been in a while. But I will be this excited about mundane things as well. <laughs> it's almost in the style of like a PSA or maybe like those short Japanese anime. It, it gives me very strong uh, Naze de- Nazo Nadesco uh, vibes, which mm-hmm. is there is a, a, a like a vintage anime, like probably early 90s uh, Martian successor Nadesco. And occasionally these two characters would like suddenly be in like children's show costumes and they'd be like, well, on the Nadesco, we have a boson drive and that's how we jumped. Da, da, da. And then, but it, it's not like actually out of the universe. They're actually just doing it in front of everybody. It's very silly. Yeah. That was happening in Akadama Drive, which we never finished. They oh, were yeah, using ch- children characters on a TV show to give um, general backstory of the dystopian future. I would argue Nadesco did it first because they did. Yes, literally. <laughs> I mean, if you lined up the timeline, they literally did it first. Yeah, I love when you mentioned that she dismembers Corpsey. Like, Corpsey seems to have guts inside and bleed like a human, despite being a giant corpse doll. Or sorry, corpse coon. <laughs> <laughs> at the end, she ends with kids. Don't try this at home. See you in two weeks. <laughs> like, it's regularly scheduled programming. And I was like, please, I will tune in for that. Well, if the cadence of the show remains that every mystery is two episodes and she shows up to explain the murder in the second episode, then in two weeks, it makes I'll, sense. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I don't think that from the episode titles, that's not how it goes. I may watch right. more of this. We'll see. Well, maybe the- we just won't see her for two more episodes. Who knows? It's a little early to say this. The problem is I'm just never quite in the mood for something like this because it's silly, but also <laughs> dark. And that's tough sometimes. That's like my favorite. I'm always in the mood to watch something <laughs> totally horrifying and hilarious. That's like the best combination. Okay, Mr. Is up to date on Rick and Morty over there. Uh, okay, well, okay, I haven't been because I need to watch with Kai, and I haven't. Uh, okay, we're, we're saving it for for each other. <laughs> <laughs> you were living with Kai for a while, and now now our mutual friend Kai, who was on the been on the podcast three times, has moved. So it's made it, it, it that makes it much harder to watch Rick and Morty. I gotta say. That's true. Well, now that my my other life shit has calmed down, I'm going to schedule a fun night where we can watch the latest ones. But I've seen all the other seasons like an embarrassing number of times. Yeah. Which is not to say this show was anything like Rick and Morty. I agree. It's not. Um, (laughs) We're all agreed. Yeah. Rick and Morty is just like zany for like the sake of being like, I don't know, situationally shocking. This one is just kind of like uh gross and inappropriate yeah. in a dark way and not in like a the whole thing is fun if you showed someone just the autopsy maybe you could convince them that the whole thing was going to be like that i mean maybe i wouldn't do that to anyone though <laughs> <laughs> yeah why would you do that to someone how dare you <laughs> so the main thing we learned from the autopsy is that the victim was choked to death but he was put to sleep first and the bodies that were killed, this is where she talks about how they were all carefully preserved and a lot of attention to detail and that this is all very detail oriented and takes time. And my other favorite thing about this whole thing is that when it ends and she's done, one of the police officers is just like, so that's the autopsy report. <laughs> As if it was totally normal and it didn't just happen the way that it happened. And also, the way he said it made it feel like they read a written thing instead of watching a straight-up performance. (laughs) I think it had, like, curtains and lights and everything. Yeah. That was art. (laughs) So Kobayashi deduces that the killer was killed using his own method of turning people into chairs, essentially, and starts to reveal that the teacher had called him in on that day. 
And that's why Kobayashi became a target of the culprit. Hashiba is demanding to be seen, rushes right in. They're like, he's an important person, so we'll have to let him in. And now Kobayashi has everything that they need to solve the crime. So this Mm -hmm. is going to be an abstracted out deduction scene similar to what we had before. I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go through this as quickly as I can, not as quickly as I can. And then we'll talk about it because, um, no, actually this part isn't the part that's the worst, right? <laughs> the part that's the worst is when they, is when they catch the culprit. Mm. That's fair. Well, the first, the very first deduction is like straight up bullshit already. Cause it's like, <laughs> well, let's see. The teacher called me in for a meeting, but I have good grades and I haven't done anything bad. So, there go, ergo, the teacher must be in love with me. There's no other, there's no other solution here. <laughs> and it's like, and is very casual what? about it. What? Also, pres- <laughs> like, acts out a meeting of his, a scene of his meeting with the teacher, and then is like, but that actually didn't happen because the moment I stepped into the room, the teacher was on the ground unconscious and I was knocked out. Also, Kobayashi had not told the police this until this point. So everyone is learning this for the first time. <laughs> After the, both the teacher and Kobayashi are knocked out, he says that. Killer probably hid them in their desk in a locker and waited for a security guard to pass by, then had all night overnight to do all this gruesome stuff, as well as put Kobayashi's prints on the murder weapons and how they used to frame him later. And Kobayashi used the, the figured out the identity of the killer, was thinking, well, why weren't these crimes discovered if all these people were killed? And the explanation is that the teacher and his victims loved each other. And this is where we start to go into very uncomfortable territory also doesn't make any damn sense because uh the the most common crime is one of like killing like a family member or a loved one <laughs> and it's like they, they get caught <laughs> because the victims were in on it they mm. didn't like you know they they were conspiring they to not disappeared be themselves well. yeah mm. exactly yeah, like it's easy to disappear oneself like all your connections you're right. like, i'm gonna go to another country Peace. for 10 years bye right <laughs> Kobayashi reasons, quote, that the people were thinking, quote, if I become a chair, I can be with him forever. And Hashiba, bless his heart, says that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, like, they already pre-characterized uh, Kobayashi to be, like, pretty fucking weird. And the fact <laughs> that, that they, they even have, like, a whole exposition scene where he's, like, imagining himself sitting in one of these chairs being like, isn't this beautiful? And I was like, yeah, this tracks. Like, this whole part yeah. definitely tracks. <laughs> it's it's one of those weird things where he's just so almost sociopathic or psychopathic in a way that it's not like he's gonna do it but just doesn't react to it in the same way that you know we might react Mm. he gets it he's like yeah i I got you this makes sense yeah i feel you do your thing bro (laughs) (laughs) so kobayashi reasons the culprit saw the email on the teacher's phone figured out the time of the meeting and was jealous of kobayashi and killed the teacher and framed him for that reason so they do a sting sort of thing on the, the student in the classroom. They find her coming in to retrieve the phone. Her name is Hoshino. She's a classmate who was formerly a shadow but is no longer a shadow. She's also the one who had said something about the teacher being in a weird shape, which mm-hmm. gave it away because nobody should have known that mm-hmm. because they shouldn't have seen the crime scene because children aren't allowed to see the crime scene where their teacher has been dismembered. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically confirms Kobayashi's theory about the victims and everything that was going on. I'm not going to go into too much detail because this scene was really wild and not not a good thing to to see in terms of just the dynamics of all the ages involved and how this yeah and 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 all of that. At the end, though, Kobayashi is like, "I had so much fun. It was really fun to see who you are." And thanks Hoshino, the killer, for how much fun he had. 
that tracks. I, I'm, that was I was like, yeah, no, you're a weirdo. This is. <laughs> but then the then the uh, has the gall to get offended when the murderer is like, I know why the teacher liked you. It's because you're so like minded. And he's like, oh well, I take offense to that. And it's like, <laughs> do you? Should you? Can you? <laughs> I feel like we're gonna see. I haven't watched Beyond episode two, so I feel like we're gonna see like. A, oh, the, you did. No, I haven't. I haven't seen oh, it yet. Yeah. I, I might. It's the right mood for me, but the 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 kid stuff is not my favorite. Like kid relationship things. So we'll no, see if that continues. It's then. really. It's it cannot be stressed. Like the show does not handle that well. No, no it's normal. Like they. I feel like they paint an alternate reality where like thirty year olds just have inappropriate relationships with thirteen year olds, and everyone's like, "Yeah, that's fine." And that's what makes this so questionable. And I think, and it's not. Some people question it, but they're mostly questioning like the murdering parts and the chair parts, but not the whole premise of this. And that's, that's, that's really unsettling. No, the, the chair murder parts were the normal parts for me. <laughs> like, in all seriousness, it's like, all right, we wanted to watch a weird murder mystery. We turned people into chairs. Got you with you. But then they're like, aha, we're, we're in relationships. And I'm like, that would be normal if you were like, you know, 30, not 13. It would still be troubling, but we have TV shows like that in the US like the I think we mentioned you on Netflix the last time we had a weird stalker type situation but that kind of obsessive unhealthy relationship like comes up in a show that's also kind of macabre and, and that sort of thing I guess like the difference for me is that when you watch something like this you sign up for a little bit of gruesome stuff but you didn't yeah. sign up for straight up pedophilia you know right yeah I I I'm, I agree I agree I think we we're all on the same page about that <laughs> Get your act together, this show. <laughs> there was just this one line that the murderer said that had me like, uh, it's, it pretty much sums up what's just wrong with everything without being too explicit. Oh, I deliberately chose not to write those down, but you're welcome to say it. Okay. Yes. So she says, he was such an honest person. He apologized. Well, no, this isn't a direct quote. I apparently paraphrased. But basically he said, she said that he was such an honest person that he apologized for not being able to turn her into a chair. He loved her. It's like, girl, no. <laughs> Bad. I mean, <laughs> I, have, I have a note, and like we're talking about how wild this thing, but I have a note down about like, there's a lot of chairs, right? And so like, w- like finding all of these people who like desperately want to be a chair for him like seven times over is like a little bit hard to suspend his belief for like sure finding one or two weirdos for this like yeah. maybe a third but like there's a lot of chairs and then there's another person who's still alive who's like disappointed she couldn't become a chair i'm like i don't think this is that common to be able to do it's pretty weird i love the the these button moments though this first one especially is something that i think one of you was calling out yeah because they, they have a resolution with the teacher. They're like, thank you for helping us. She had played in by pretending to find the phone. And the Kagami, the detective, apologized to Kobayashi for suspecting him. And Kobayashi's like, you might want to check the teacher's chair in the classroom. And sure enough, he cuts into it. And there is a human skeleton and heart inside. And finally, somebody in this show reacts correctly. Yeah. <laughs> well, first someone says, do you call this love? <laughs> I thought. I mean, I think this in particular, like for this kind of horror show, is a great image. And I wish there wasn't yeah. all this other baggage going on because mm-hmm. just the element of cutting into the chair and how gross it is inside. And yeah, Miss Hanabishi runs away and jumps out the window <laughs> because she's <laughs> then, so horrified. And then she, takes a month she off sat on work. that chair. 
Well, who is it that narrates that? It's just an unnamed narrator, right? Or is it Kobayashi that says it? It was Kobayashi, yeah. Kobayashi just says, after that, Miss Hanabishi took a month leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's appropriate, right? Like, that, that, that's, that's... You were sitting time. on corpse parts for, at your first nervous job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. But she's clearly a, a continuing character. I forget if she's in the opening or not. I feel like they didn't use this to be like, aha, look at this normalcy. They went, I think they kind of characterized her as weak compared to all the other people. I feel like it was maybe just like a, a peak of like actual correct, like interpretation events. Jumping yeah. out the window is not correct. She's also the only one, like she didn't see the body. She didn't see the pictures of the chair. It's not clear how much she knew. Mm-hmm. And also she was sitting on that chair for like a week. So yeah. That's fair. That's true. Freaking out is normal. Jumping out the chair is exaggerated. Jumping out the window is exaggerated. Yeah, but it's anime. So it's, uh, it's you know, the right the right thing to do, I guess. <laughs> so we finish on Kobayashi going back to the detective office. Kagami's also there. They all kind of talk about the case. And Kobayashi gets the keys to the detective office and, quote, finally feels alive. Blech. Well, I mean, I get, I don't know. There's like an element of like looking up to the older person who does the thing you admire and wanting them to take you in. I get that. There's just so much more to it that makes this all really weird. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole thing for me is that there's no like uh, acknowledgement of trauma, right? Like like <laughs> with one character, like you can say like, hi, this character is interesting because they don't experience trauma in the way that regular people do. But like no one else did either. Like, <laughs> the whole world is like trauma free let's we'll do we'll do some final notes and sum up but let's pass through the ending song which was kind of increasingly sad guitar ballad almost <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some uh creepy scribbly people dominoes yeah red 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 the color red kobayashi running but in a very stylized way as the scribbles because there there's often people running in an anime ending <laughs> <laughs> and i wrote down two lyrics I'm so worthless, good for nothing. Still, I scream to the night sky, hoping that someone will find me. You know, I wish I could go back to when I was 13 and write the (laughs) lyrics to these songs into a journal and just leave them somewhere so someone could find them and be really concerned about me. (laughs) Yeah, that tracks. Should I check your journal, Noah? No, you're not supposed (laughs) to look in that. I'm not writing emo poetry recently. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you like the ending song, Nate? I thought it was... Also, like, appropriate but underwhelming. And and yeah. songs I feel like are supposed to be underwhelming. I don't know. That's like a pattern that I see, and I kind of am okay with that. There have been a few animes that I, I couldn't name right now that I remember, like, I like the ending song way better than the opening. But that's weird. Oh, whenever that happens, it's Freaky Friday. It's not normal. It isn't. But, I mean, you know, when it happens, you just take it. But this one was also just like, yeah, it's an ending song. We did it. You, you did the thing. You struck the mood you wanted. I can walk away and get, you know, a drink and not... <laughs> not feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> this definitely has a detective story format, although it's almost kind of more in the suspense thriller genre. How do we feel about the mystery and foreshadowing and clues? Was that satisfying the way it comes together just functionally as a mystery? Uh, aside from all the cases of people's motivations being completely out of whack and weird and strange <laughs> in ways I wouldn't have bothered to predict. Yeah. No, like, I, I feel like I had to suspend disbelief beyond my capacity so many times <laughs> that by the end I was like, okay, I get it. You wanted something creepy about chairs and you kind of like flubbed the basics, but I'm here. <laughs> I'll watch another one. That's fine. I don't know. Like, the, I, I kind of like the reveal of it, but they didn't really, 
I feel like my favorite with these kinds of things is like when you pose in any genre, not even just mystery, but I like this in fantasy specifically. Like you pose some sort of problem, but you already know all the rules of the way the world works. And you're like, fuck, how do they get out of this one? And then they come up with a thing that you had all the information to put together yourself. And you're like, wow, that's so cool. I totally could have come up with that myself. But I didn't yeah. because it was so well written. And this was not that. That was <laughs> out no, of left no. field. There was no magic or anything that they didn't tell you, but it was like these deductions were just a little like a lot more stretchy than they could have been. Yeah, you you couldn't you certainly could not solve this. Now, there are some good moments of foreshadowing, like when he calls back to the classmate that said the thing they shouldn't have known. Yeah, yeah, that's which she did say like she said it. You couldn't see her face. You saw you her later. Though. She was. You saw her later. That's when true. Yeah, Kobayashi yeah. wasn't around to not be able to see her because she's so uninteresting. Mm. So that kind of <laughs> moment is satisfying, and there's there's some stuff like that that carries through. But this is also very much about setting up the world, getting a catchy and Kobayashi together, and, and establishing who they are. So mm. I also feel like I would watch another episode. Nate, what do you think is the likelihood you'll actually watch more of this? I'm actually think I was thinking about watching another one tonight just because I want right? to see what another plot looks like. Um, I feel the same way. I don't think I'm like gunning to finish the show, but I will. I'm like curious where they're going to go with it. If the second plot also involves a bunch of like pedophilic relationships, I'm out. But like, yeah, <laughs> it's not that. <sighs> It's not that we want to overlook it one time, but it no. is like if there's if the rest of the show is going to be about something different, we just don't want to watch that for 13 episodes. I really <laughs> just want to see three minute shocking medical examiner several more times. <laughs> and if I can, you know, like gun through the rest of the weird stuff, I just want to see. Maybe I'll just see clips of her on the Internet if I can't stand the show. And that's OK. I can <laughs> I can fangirl. Maybe she has a TikTok. I would love to watch her TikTok. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Michael, how about you? If I want to watch more of this, do I have to watch it on my own? I might think about seeing one more episode and seeing if it goes in a way that I'm like, okay, you're not always doing creepy child stuff. That stuff left a real bad taste in my mouth. Um, Also, it's just like, I'm, I don't know like the timeline of when this came out, but I feel like I see the ways I feel like I can see the ways where it's like trying to take some of Tokyo Ghoul's energy and the ways it's trying to take some of Dagon Rampa's energy and like, it's nothing is like quite unique enough here compared to like the things it's borrowing from. Well, there's some elements also that is it's trying to take Edogawa Rampo's energy. Yeah. Um, which some of those other shows may also be referencing. I'm not familiar enough. Certainly something like Rampa, which has almost a murder mystery ish vibe, mm-hmm. may be calling back to it in some way. All right. Is, is everyone ready for story time? Oh, it's story time. Let's do it. So I'm going to read you the plot of the human chair from the Wikipedia article. This is the original, the plot of the original Edogawa story as summarized in pretty well and engaging format by some person who edited this Wikipedia post. (laughs) Whoever you are. All right. After seeing her husband off to work, the young author identified only as Yoshiko sets off to read the large collection of letters she received from other young authors. These are often letters containing samples of their work for critique. One large envelope contains a letter. The letter is a confession of crimes. He is a chairmaker and loves his work and all the chairs he creates, even going so far as to claim some sort of intangible connection to his work. One day, after the completion of a luxurious sofa commissioned for the lobby of a new hotel, he realized it was his masterpiece. Reluctant to part with it, he reshaped the inner structure of the sofa to allow one human being to sit inside of it. 
After instructing his assistant to organize the pickup of the sofa, he climbs inside. The sofa is then transported to the lobby of the hotel. Over the next few days, he stayed in the sofa during the mornings and afternoons. It is during these times that he had his only interactions with the people who chose to sit on the sofa. He becomes very familiar with those people who stay there regularly. He even claims to be able to recognize people simply from the weight and shape of their bodies as well as their smell. He confesses that often he has found himself falling in love with some of the women who sit on him. He repositions his body beneath them to make them comfortable, reveling in the comments people make on the extraordinary comfort and luxury of the sofa. At night, however, when the lobby is closed and the guests are sleeping, he crawls out of the sofa and burglarizes the room of the guests of the hotel. Later, he learns that the hotel was put under new management. They want a more frugal and Japanese aesthetic to make it more affordable. The sofa was auctioned off and relocated to the home of a Japanese political official. In this part of his letter, he admits he has fallen in love with the wife of this official. The new woman is a fan of literature and as such often reads on his sofa. He has become familiar with this woman like no other before her. As a privately owned sofa, he now has intimate knowledge of his owner. He begins to describe in detail the woman, the house she lives in, and her husband. Horrified, Yoshiko realizes that the woman he describes in the letter must be her. At the end of the letter, the writer requests that Yoshiko allow him to meet her. She can signal her acceptance by leaving a lit candle out at night. In terror, Yoshiko jumps off the sofa and runs to the other side of the house. As she contemplates her situation, her maid delivers the daily mail to her. She finds a letter from the same chair maker. He explains that the previous letter was a manuscript of a sample of his work based on pure imagination and the knowledge that she had recently purchased that particular sofa. He then requests a response. In the final line of his letter, he states that he intends to title the story, The Human Chair. That has nothing to do with what we just watched. <laughs> my, I wouldn't have gotten up and run away. I'd have stabbed my couch. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. I much prefer that as a story. It's like so much more believable and creepy, like in the way that you would sit on your couch and be like, is there someone in this? I, I'm also <laughs> mean because I have like a cheap couch right now while I'm waiting for my real couch to arrive uh, in <laughs> December. Uh, but it, it has a hole in the back where the cats used to crawl in when I lived with my roommate's cats. Uh, and it's like definitely not human sized, but like if I had watched a whole thing or read a whole thing about this, I would sit on that couch being, and like freak out and like reach my hand inside and be like, there's no person in here. Oh my God. <laughs> this story was published in 1925 in a literature magazine, which is around the time Rampo was publishing some of his detective stuff. But it's, it's a very well known and classic story. It was made into a movie. It's interesting. Just the idea of a sofa moving and rearranging to please people. It's, a, it's an interesting image, but you wouldn't cut into it and find a ribcage in a in a human heart. So no, yeah, I, I I can I think it's different enough that I don't feel like they botched an existing story, but it kind of feels like the title and the concept is an homage to it in a way that didn't really even like disrupt it in any meaningful way. I kind of feel like they mostly just took the title and yeah. imagined what a human chair might be. <laughs> there's an element of like him as the chair wanting to please the people sitting on him which is almost linked mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and the idea of the furniture maker who falls in love with people in very strange circumstances i guess yeah i would like to encourage japanese english speakers if if you're on wikipedia and you want to write more good plot summaries <laughs> of tr- classic Japanese murder mysteries. There's a lot of them that don't have Wikipedia pages. Or send your book reports to Dying Message Pod. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're out at that moment. <laughs> Finish what you were saying, Michael. I don't remember the email address, so you do it. 
dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, send your Japanese language book reports to that. <laughs> do it. Nate, do you have anything to plug? There's nothing going on in life right now. <laughs> There's an Instagram feed you can plug. Oh, daddy issues. I <laughs> like, wait, what am I supposed to? I deleted yeah. my Instagram. What are you talking about? Yeah, no. I'm on a team with Michael here. You should follow us on Instagram. Um, where daddy issues improv.com will link you to our Instagram account, actually. But we're mm-hmm. daddy, daddy issues improv on there. Yeah. Nate does not run the social media, but you'll find information about the shows which Nate is in. Well, thank you so much, Nate, for joining us, for watching this thing. I'm glad it was a a reasonably good fit, almost like a chair with a person shifting underneath your weight might be a good fit. That's um, not how I would describe that, but I did enjoy enjoy (laughs) watching these and talking about them with you. So uh, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. That does it, Noah. Now I only sit on... Chairs with mesh stretched over wireframes. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, hey, guess what? It is the season for the spooky season. We didn't even say this, but I wanted to pick something spooky because we're in October. And this was kind of macabre in that sort of way. And next week, we're doing a straight up murder mystery about a haunted mansion. It's the Detective Conan episode, a haunted mansion murder mystery. Get in the spirit right in time for Halloween and join us for that. Yay, spooky. So. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, We really appreciate you all being here and spending this listening time with us. You can help other people find out about the podcast by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a star rating and writing a comment to let people know what you think and uh, that they should check the podcast out. If you're on listening to us elsewhere, you should subscribe or rate or review depending on which service you're on they may have different options but definitely do that and send us your support that way send us those emails to diagmessagepodcast at gmail.com and stay in touch with us on social media dying message podcast on facebook at dying message pod on instagram and twitter okay uh well nate i don't know if you prepared a birthday present for michael you don't have to maybe you could share the secret of the mystery of the phantom crush as a birthday present Oh yeah, I forgot that we 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 put that up. So here's the thing: it's I I really am ninety nine point nine nine percent sure that he's not listening to this. But this is this is a mystery that I got away with. The best stories, I guess, <laughs> are those that will ruin someone's life if they happen to listen to this podcast. Yeah, right. I was like, why not? Why not poke this out in the end of the world? So feel privileged because no one has ever heard this before on any sort of recorded media. But you know, this is this is one that I like perpetrated and uh, got away with. So I was I was a sophomore, very cute boy in my AI class. Is that where we met, or one of our math classes? We had a lot of classes together, um, <laughs> and we were like talking, getting lunch and things. And like, it turns out he's straight, and that's fine. But I decided one day to just like vent my frustrations on our like campuses. Um, tell a secret site and so i was there and i was like hey i i have a you know mega crush on you but uh you know never gonna tell you kind of deal (laughs) he immediately calls me and says i have run through every girl in my entire head and i know i know it's not her i know it's not her i know it's not her it can't be you don't know like what do you think and i was like well it's not this girl and so (laughs) and like he we, we talk about it for like a week and a half and he's like very like 
upset because he wants to know who this person is <laughs> and uh and i still haven't told him uh we're still friends uh we zoom every once in a while and i just spent a night at his house in boston i do not have a crush on him anymore it has it didn't last terribly long but i feel like it's one of those things that'll come up in like a group context where it'll just be like a fun thing for him to discover and he'll be like mega shocked because it's been like 12 years at this point uh, <laughs> he doesn't like detective anime does he <laughs> any likelihood he might hear it on here <laughs> that's, 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 i'm pretty damn sure he wouldn't but I don't think I don't think he's really into anime all that much. He's seen a few, but I don't think that many. Not that many people listen to us. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're just kind of banking on our podcast remaining an underground <laughs> niche podcast, at, and not at be. least long enough that he hears it from me first. That's what I'm banking on. So the clock is mm-hmm. ticking. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, you do just say it straight out sometime. Like it's not something that he ever brings up anymore because. He's over it. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm expecting it to like come up when like, cause there's a couple of his group of friends that I would hang out with that. I imagine if we all get together at a bar or something in Boston sometime, like it would, we, we'd get into all the weird stuff that happened and be like, do you remember that time? Like I want, that's what I want to happen. But if it doesn't happen after like the next couple of years, I'll probably just bring it up. You could engineer such a conversation without just bring up something else weird that happened. <laughs> that story is kind of the plot of, love simon except in that like there are other gay people to react <laughs> to the secret message was it was that an anonymous thing or like a board that everyone saw like only he could see it yeah it was um it, it, it was like its own independent little stupid html site but it was public for like anybody who had the url it was just like cards that showed it up. it was like post secret yeah sure. yeah yeah well Michael, can you think of any good ways that that Nate might want to do this reveal? I mean, you could certainly put it on a cake. That's a classic. <laughs> oh no, that's way that's that's horrible. Uh, any chance that you'll get to be the best man at his wedding <laughs> and tell the story? <laughs> that would be a that's great good. speech oh moment. My God. That's, that's really funny. I don't think I would be best man, but I would definitely be invited. So yeah, you'd there. have to you'd give a, a speech at his wedding and just either be incredibly sloppy or pretend that you're very sloppy. <laughs> oh my God. Don't do it. That's, that's not the right context. <laughs> no, if, he, if he was gay and was marrying a man, you could do it. Mm. No, I hope his family's super religious. Do it. I, I don't care about that. <laughs> I care about your, your dynamic with this person. <laughs> Who cares about the family? Shmamily. I mean, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be very amused and uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds like it. Yeah, he's he's chill as fuck, so I, th- I think it'll be fine. But uh... oh wait, okay, so bear with me. If you get a mask that opens when you talk that has teeth on it, and you film a three minute video <laughs> explaining what happened oh, with along with some good. kind of doll, and you oh post it on the internet, yeah, this is what's happening. I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's probably that. What a great Halloween costume that no one would recognize. I should right? be three minute shocking medical examiner. That's, that's me now. <laughs> And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast, episode 54, in which we all jump out a window by the end of the episode. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom, music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Nate May. Coming up, what's the deal with that spooky house at the end of the lane? Has the villager always been the most important RPG party member? Can stretchy suspenders be considered a gadget? 
All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. Oh, can I show you guys? This may, doesn't have to be in the podcast, or maybe it can. But I have an a v- empty uh, Japanese coffee can that I can't throw away because it's so great, and I need to figure out something to do with it. Oh my god! It's yes. the rainbow one. It's Boss Coffee Rainbow Mountain Blend. Yes, I had a couple of these when I was in Japan. It they're they're lovely. They're it's so also, fun. It's the first healing item I bought in a in a the most recent Yakuza game as well. <laughs> so it has special meaning for me. That's beautiful. I love that. I'm just going to edit that back into the beginning of the episode when I asked you about an anime-related birthday present and pretend that's what you got. But I bought I bought this for me. <laughs> yeah, but the way I'm going to edit it, people won't know. <laughs> but if no, if you did get me a can of Japanese coffee for my birthday, that would be very on point. Where did you buy it? And was it full of coffee? It was full of coffee. I bought it at uh, the Mitsuo Marketplace in Edgewater, New Jersey. Oh, nice. We should go there sometime. It was a good trip. We got... Um, Mochi donuts. Oh, they were so good. My cousin is coming who basically would love this. So I will, I, maybe I will bring her. That sounds like a good adventure. It's a two hour <laughs> drive, but we, we did it. Ah, a little shorter. A little shorter. Okay, a little shorter. But maybe we'll just stop at H Mart instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>